This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated TNG show. I am your host this week, sitting in the center chair, Daniel Prue, and joining me this week, as always, are my favorite hosts. We have Darren Moser, who is... Uh, the dry dock shuttle pilot. And Darren, I don't mean to be offensive, but I have to ask the question, what is the purpose of your job? I mean, presumably, even if the new ship does not have any transporter system, the dry dock would. So why, like, are, do we just circle the new ship at least four times? Or, like, what's um, the point? Ever since 2238, when we had that horrific transporter accident, uh, you may have remembered it from Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, actually, that was the best job security this position has ever had. And so, basically, it is now mandated in the Starfleet Charter that there must be at least five dry dock shuttles on standby at any time. They just, they don't really like using them around dry dock, and I have to say, did you look at the effects of that dry dock shot? Uh, it was like sawdust in my eyes. I cannot wait for that to come into HD. Okay, but I, so anyway, good job security. And if you haven't, you know, seen the Enterprise D yet, Daniel, uh, you're in. You're in for a treat. If I might be so bold. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, and also with us, uh, as always, we have. Um, Future professor of politics at Cambridge, Philip Gilfus. Now, Philip, I have a real big problem with your office. Um, we're in the 24th century. Why would you decorate it in a 19th century fashion? This seems really outdated. This is ridiculous. <laughs> get away. Get away. Is that Sorry. Zazzy? I, is that Zazzy I had in some, the background? <laughs> I had a couple of cats. Um, there's like 20 of them in this in this thing. But luckily, though, I have a maid, and she she cleans up. Because I got to tell you, having this many cats around, it really really stinks up the place. Though though, she can't make a decent cup of tea to save her life. Oh well, but but I'll tell you what, she always makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Philip. Oh, thanks. Um, so anyways, if our, uh, our listeners who can never tell what jokes we're making, uh, have not been able to decipher yet, we are actually doing the ultimate, the, the finale episode of TNG. We are going to be talking about all good things. Um, certainly I, I imagine not the only time we'll talk about all good things cause it's a pretty important episode, but the last time I was hosting, uh, Earl Grey, we talked about Farpoint and I thought it might be fitting to do a little bit of a kind of a contrast with uh, with all good things here. So now we're going to talk about all good things. What okay, so how do where do where do we start? Let's start with the fact that this is the final episode of TNG obviously. Uh Darren, what do you think about the, just your initial impressions like are you a fan of it? I mean, I think everybody's a fan of this episode, certainly. But let, let's just get your kind Are of... Are you trying to color my uh, reaction before I even give my opinion, Daniel? No, You always use his knowledge of Next Generation against him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really like All Good Things. I think uh, it's it's got a lot of the you know great Star Trek aspects to it. It's got a lot of great TNG aspects. It's got time travel. It's got Q. It's... I like how it has a crew. I mean, of the three time periods that Picard goes to, two of them, he's not quite in that fully authoritative position of power. I mean, yes, he's the captain in, in, in the past, but he just signed the lease on that brand new starship, and they don't really trust him as much. And in the future, he's going crazy, so they really don't trust him, and they have a lot of, you know, apparently bad history with him. But... You know, those things aside, I think it's a very strong episode, a very touching episode, and I think 
it, it's it's a lot of fun. I think it really sets the bar high for uh, series uh, finales. And what about you, Philip? Yeah, it's, it's I was I was telling uh, telling Darren uh, in the Arboretum that that I, I remember watching this episode in live you know live run and it came on twice. It, they aired it you know like once and then they aired it like that weekend or the next week. Which the funny part was I missed the beginning both times, um, so it took a while to ever see the beginning of this episode. Um, but I mean, as a season finale of the Next Generation, I mean, it it, it you, I'm sure you know we'll talk about challenges or problems, but it hits all the marks. I mean, you know, again, considering again, this is the Next Generation. You know, there there really had never been a season finale of Star Trek before. I mean, think about it. There's no season finale of the original series. Um, it's called cancellation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and the original movies were still going on um, at this time. If I'm, if I, or maybe a Star Trek Six had already ended at this time. Um, but so I mean, if you want to say that's the season finale for or, or a finale for the original, but but this was the first time, and so the time travel aspect, which you know maybe now seems hackneyed, was perfect. I mean. All the fan things are there, all the old things and the future things, and we got to see what happened in the future with our favorite characters, and we got to go back to the very beginning of the encounter, and and we got to tie a bow around everything at the end there. I mean, not not like you know tying a bow and maybe like the Deep Space Nine sense of like okay, this is what whatever whatever character is going to do, but then we knew we were going to the movies, so we didn't have to you know have a finale 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 we just had to sort of like wrap up everything that the tv show meant so i, I know we'll go into the specifics but i think it, it it's a great finale well and rem- like you were saying philip about watching it you know first run i mean i remember that too and wasn't it after that jonathan frakes hosted the top five fan episodes so we had this great primer leading up to the uh to the last episode and so it was like an afternoon of star trek it was so much star trek and this i mean there was i remember this a really big media buildup that this was i mean it, it's not like say cheers but close to it i mean i remember i mean i still have articles you know if i go through my old scrapbooks of like you know stuff in the paper you know the season finale or the series finale of the next generation and articles and you know blah 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 all about it whereas you know when voyager and deep space nine and enterprise ended it was like meh, you know you know outside of star trek publications um, and nothing against this series but i just think that that the uh the the cultural and the media kind of you know next generation this this was a big deal and and i don't know what the final draw was you know but it it was one of those kind of the series finales that that was definitely a big deal and and noah actually that brings up my my next point which is what i talk about is the fact that if we can so all good things you know obviously we you know we talked a little bit about how tos didn't didn't really it didn't get I mean, turnabout uh, intruder doesn't turnabout solve intruder. for you. No, yeah, it's um, it's oh boy, let's not even talk about turnabout intruder. We'll let the standard robot guys; they can have that episode all they want and talk about it for ten episodes if they really want to. Um, no, um, you know, because of such a the weird position that TOS was in at the time, and honestly, I don't, I don't even know what the practice was for uh, series finales in the '60s. Maybe it was totally different, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, Deep Space Nine uh, had uh, the end of a what was it, a nine episode arc <laughs> at that point. Like it was like it's so different. It's totally different than all good things. It's like um, it Deep Space Nine tried to wrap everything up. Uh, you know, at the end of that series, they wanted every loose end to be tied and everything to be done. And with the same thing with Voyager, when we had uh, they 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 got back home and spoiler alert. Well, and I don't uh, know if they really lose it, tied any threads there. They're home, and then what? Credits. <laughs> well, right, right, right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but the the point is, like with both Deep Space Nine and Voyager, they those are the uh, culmination of the journeys of the entire series. You know, maybe one possibly slightly more successful than the other. Uh, but you know that those are for those shows to talk about. Um, and with uh, with Enterprise, we we also kind had of some jump- great guest stars, man. Great <laughs> guest stars. Yes, we jump forward a few years and and we get to see uh, decades, even yeah, uh, maybe even centuries. <laughs> centuries. Uh, <laughs> but it's interesting. I think all good things. Um, it, it holds a special place, specifically in the Star Trek mythos, but even in all of. Uh, um, all of 
TV mythos. What I love about what my favorite aspect of All Good Things is the fact that we end the series on a, a completely neutral note when it's like, hey, you know what? The, sh- the show is over, but the adventure is not. Right. So my favorite part of the thing is that Picard goes into at the end, he goes into the card game. He's like, I should have done this a long time ago. But you know what? And I separate uh, the TV show at this point watching the series. I separate the TV show and the movies. And I'm like, you know what? The Enterprise D is actually still out there exploring and having adventures every week and just doing its thing. Like, is that just me or do you guys feel like the same kind of thing? It's your season eight podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I, something I thought of when we're rewatching this episode to to brush up on it is, I mean, basically, didn't as soon as this episode was done, almost instantaneously, they were shooting Generations. And so you have to wonder, I mean, obviously, some of the writers knew and I'm sure Rick Berman knew, but did the cast know the Enterprise was going to be destroyed in the movie at this point? Because... I mean, yes, you have it in in the future time of of uh, all good things, but I mean, definitely when Picard's looking around the table and he's you know has that kind of misty eyed moment, it's like, yeah, in in a year your ship is going to be gone, and they are talking about being you know scattered to the wind, and it was just I, I'd never thought about it at that at that point if the actors if that might have influenced their acting in this episode. They probably would have stolen a whole, a whole lot more props if they had. <laughs> Can I steal the bridge? Just this whole bridge. No, we're just going to throw it out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. It is one of those things about, and you know, we already talked generations um, with the standard orbit crew, but I don't want to say generations takes away from all good things, but it is good to like watch all good things, have a nice breather, you know, wait a month. And then watch Generations. Yeah. You know, let, let all good things sink in, and, and, and you know, don't just go straight just, into Generations. Just skip Generations and then go to First Contact, and you're like, oh, at some point later, they gave him an upgraded <laughs> ship. That's great. I wonder what happened to the D. It's probably in the Mothball fleet. You know, maybe a museum orbiting the moon or something. Yeah. Well, they tried to decommission her a couple of years ago, but the good thing about being an admiral is. <laughs> All no, but all good things. Seriously, like it makes me wish. And I know, like they're like the create, you know, the people in charge of Star Trek at the time in the nineties, in the mid nineties, were like, "Wow, we are riding a high wave here. Let's just push it for all it's worth." All good things makes me wish they had waited five years for the TNG movies to come out. Like, I, 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 I in my mind, I want to populate at least a few years worth of adventures of the enterprise and our crew as they were before we get to generations. It's fine if you want to do that, but like it's literally like a three month, six month hiatus. Like it's nothing. It's like check uh, the start date. Yeah. I don't know. Well then maybe they would have had time to actually make enough uniforms for the entire crew by the time (laughs) uh, the, uh, the episodes of generations comes about, but. You know, whatever enough time it took to change the bridge of the Enterprise D to, you know, add the side stations and give Worf a chair and all that stuff. Although another point that I just thought of is, you know, I I don't know about the USS Titan because if you think about it, the two people to have destroyed the Enterprise are the Troys. Uh, Diana crashed it in Generations, and Admiral Riker in Future All Good Things is the one at. You know, he's in command of the, of the future Enterprise that gets destroyed in the rift. So pretty much if you have a starship called Enterprise, watch out for Mr. and Miss, uh, Mrs. Riker. But but this was Badmiral Riker. Oh, yeah. So he, he was at least grumpy Merle. Riker at the, at the I don't know. He was pretty dang grumpy. Well, I, you know, I think his problem was he had been sitting in that chair too long. And so I think that's probably was. And we all know he's so grumpy. you can't go over the back of the captain's chair to sit down. <laughs> and so it, that's it's just probably throwing his back. For even him. if they even if they lift the center section there like two or three feet, you still can't do it. There's just there's no way. Now he can't horseshoe. jump over the horseshoe and just nope. like land. <laughs> he can't do a wharf. He can't do a wharf. I gotta get a meter closer before I can fire my phaser. 
Uh, yeah, but I mean the the whole the whole concept, which again, obviously, we're just going to talk about how much we love it. So if you don't like it, oh well. Um, but I mean, I think that the great the great concept of this finale, again, was you know to look towards the past, you know, all the way to encounter at Farpoint. And for those of you who may have wondered, like, what's the difference between the seventh season of Next Generation and when it started, it starkly shows you the difference <laughs> between season one and season seven. Let's hold and up so an A-B you... mirror comparison during this episode. <laughs> so you might see some slight character development from cheerleader Troy to, you know, um, actual counselor Troy. Um, but, but, but I think the future part, too, of showing that our characters maybe don't end up places that we like. And exploring that, you know, because it's the whole fantasy of when you're doing a series finale, you know, well, what becomes of our characters? Like, you know, like you just said, Daniel, um, what do we imagine? And this shows you, okay, well, this is what what could have happened, which I always find it weird that, like, most of them left Starfleet, but I don't know, that's just me. But, but you know, it's sort of interesting to see these other lives and then, like, oh, okay. And so you get that fantasy right there on the season finale, but then it kind of goes back to, to kind of what you're saying, Daniel, to the present, you know, quote unquote present, and then says, well... Maybe that'll happen. Maybe that won't. <laughs> well, it's like you said uh, before when we talked about best of both worlds. You know, it has the same feel, gut feel, when Riker or it was either Riker and Wesley or Jordy. One of them were talking, and I think it was Wesley and, and Jordy. But they're talking about, yeah, maybe you know, we may not all be here by the time you come back from Starfleet Academy. You know, we may have different assignments. Like, it's it's a military peacekeeping armada, blah, 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 organization. You know, so that that gut feel from that episode was very similar in that future aspect of, yeah, they may, you know, depending on how far in the future, we may not be flying around in starships anymore. Now with that whole, you know, galactic transporter will be invented, I'm sure. So. <laughs> Well, because I, you know, and also using time travel as a series finale, like I said, kind of seems hokey. I mean, it works, I would argue, but it seems hokey now. But like, again, remember, these are the first people who've done it is Next Generation. Because, you know, Voyager basically kind of used it with Admiral Janeway time traveling. And then Enterprise kind of used it. Not that there's time traveling per se, but they. The viewer is experiencing different times. Well, not not even not even the Riker part, but just that they're moved. You know, the Enterprise storyline like to like ten years later, and then like mm. okay, well, that's that's interesting. You know, showing the characters in the future, quote unquote. Um, but but I think you know, time travel certainly is a part of Star Trek, and I think it it does work here because you get. I mean, Q. We haven't even mentioned him yet. You know, again, all that whole. I don't get it. Not to gush, which we are, but that whole from encounter at Farpoint, the journey, the trial that we've gone through all these seven years, and what it's meant, and all those callbacks. I think all of it is just not all of it, but most of it is here into that season finale or series finale. Well, all right, Philip. I mean, uh, apparently you're in charge of the show, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Q because that's uh, a pretty important part of this this uh, you know episode and a very important part of the series overall, and obviously is bridged completely in this episode where we we literally see him uh, as he was an encounter. You know, Picard very 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 intent on getting to that moment in Encounter at Farpoint where he encounters Q and then, you know, he kind of bridges the gap of the entire series, which I think is actually one of the brilliant, I think there are, I think there are many really intelligent things that the writers did with this episode. And I think this is one of them. Um, that the fact that like we opened with kind of this, this awkward, uh, maybe not fully fleshed out, maybe not completely interesting Q character. And we end with him, you know, being like a very important, very essential, very um, emotional character of of our series, and uh, man, like can you can like talk about character development, the relationship between Q and Picard in Encounter at Farpoint? How different is it from you know where the very first moment they meet between that and the moment we see them at the end of the series? Like Q in in All Good Things, Q and Picard, they're they're kind of buddies. At the end, right? Like yeah, they, it's they... almost like a master um, and his beloved pet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Daniel, the trial never ended. The trial never will. It will never end. Well, and even you know, to think in a in a meta way, I mean, remember Q was the B plot that was added in 
to encounter that wasn't even originally supposed to be there. And I can't even imagine the seven years without him showing up and especially in this episode. I mean, it it ties it all together and it doesn't feel like, oh, how is this going to actually happen and work? Oh, let's just have Q showed up. And that's why it's like there was actual thought and you could tell it was very deliberately constructed around that character as well even though he he doesn't even show up in very many scenes i mean it's it's pretty much just picard in multiple makeups and costumes like every shot of this of this episode you know and and one of the things too that's really interesting while you were talking i was thinking about is that we don't get and this is very rough and and again i haven't looked specifically at this but but we don't get q in encounter until roughly 50% through the episode maybe not really anyways and we don't actually the same thing here we don't get q until about halfway through and i don't know if they they may have done that deliberately i don't because on netflix they just kind of make it one big episode so you don't know where they cut it off but is you know we don't get q maybe until the second act right or at least like like to the teaser to the second act like he shows up maybe but except for this episode was never shown like as two parts it was there was no or was it Dan? no no you're you're yeah. absolutely right you might be right yeah. there was just it was a two-hour block but the way i'm looking the way i'm thinking about it is the you're right absolutely right because sometimes well, you kind of forget that but yeah I think because Star Trek usually, or at least Next Gen, was usually blocked in like a five-act block. And that being, each act being between a commercial break. There was usually four commercial breaks and five blocks. (laughs) Back in the old days. Back in the old days (laughs) when they cranked out 26 episodes a season. Uh, But yeah, that's a good point though. I think, I don't know if that was deliberate or just happened to have a, a resemblance and a balance to encounter but but it works, and, I, and I'm glad he's not in the first shot. Like, hey, look what I can do, you know. And now you're, <laughs> now you're in the future. It's like he, and I love how Picard is slowly remembering more and more of the other times as it progresses, uh, because I, I mean, I will almost want to know what shot did he. What, I want to see what was he experiencing right before he first showed up, because he's talking about before he was even on the Enterprise. And I'm like, we don't even, we never saw that, you know. He was waiting for the shuttle to get ready. Uh, oh, yeah, it was very boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, we're talking about Q, because I think even when I was rewatching it to talk to talk today, um, I was kind of like, wait, when's Q show up? When does Q show up? Doesn't Q show up already? How long does it take for Q to Isn't show up? Isn't this a because Q it, episode? <laughs> <laughs> because you, you, you're almost with John Luke in the struggle of being in the past of like, Okay, something weird's happening. Wait a minute. I know something weird that happened in the past. Q. Let, let me make sure even though, you know, things are trying to divert me away from what happened at, at Farpoint, I'm still going there. I'm still going to go to the same coordinates. Q Q where are you? Where is he? Cuz I know he at least he can help me almost even before he even knew the Q had a part of it. Although now that I think about it, you kind of have to not know about Q for a while because if Picard knew about Q in the very beginning, then in the future time frame when no one believes him, he could just say, uh, Q is showing up and pushing me around through time and everyone would be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's totally a thing that happens sure, to us. Sure, so. Jean-Luc, it's <laughs> always Q. Well, <laughs> Get the sedative. It, it's And it's true because the thing about it is you were exactly right, Philip, because he mentions it he like three or four times in the in the encounter timeline before he's like no the like oh there's romulans uh at the neutral zone he's like no we're gonna go back to far point and then he gets to far point and he's like hey counselor can you sense anybody that oh i don't know is is a higher intelligence than everyone else <laughs> and she's like bullion <laughs> webs and anything. she's like nope and then he's like oh uh data can you sense any sort of crazy ridiculous giant walls that you know we couldn't get oh, Brian, are you, are you feeling cold like <laughs> any frostiness happening <laughs> nothing and so, like, we, you know, it, 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 the, the episode kind of rewards long-term viewers of the show in that way. Because it does kind of tease the whole cue. Uh, and then it finally does happen. There's no there's no 25-minute separation sequence in this episode, okay. surprisingly. Um, but uh, that's okay. Which actually kind of bridges the gap into the next subject I wanted to talk about is there is a huge huge like i said like i wanted to talk about this this week because we talked about encounter the last time around 
Uh, and there is a massive overlap between Encounter at Farpoint and and this episode. And I think it's very intentional, obviously. And I think part of the writers were like, you know what? We, we should probably show the, the, the entire seven years that the show has gone through, the, the growth that it's experienced. And I, I've, I'm not a, I don't consider myself like a you know, a guy who, a TV guy who watches thousands and thousands of shows, but I, I can't imagine, I can't even think in my mind a show that has developed more and changed more in its, in the show run than TNG did, like how much it grew and changed and developed and evolved. And I think it was a brilliant, brilliant move from the writers to be like, Hey, this is the first episode. This is the last episode. You see the difference, right? We did pretty good. <laughs> see, see, see right here. Right here. Yeah. Was he talking see? to people that worked in a studio nearby? I'm just throwing that out there. I don't. I think it would have been really funny if, in one of the past sequences, he had stood up and he put his hands down to try to do the Picard maneuver and just just rubbed him against his chest because he he was in back in the one piece and he forgot. I think that would have been <laughs> that would have been a funny little uh, insert. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's interesting, like, for me, I, I think one thing that's kind of weird is, like, why doesn't Data show up until, like, halfway through the Encounter timeline? Like, everyone's on the bridge, I'm like, aren't we missing Data? And, like, finally shows up in engineering. I'm like, was he wandering the halls, trying to figure out where everything was, like like a like a new Riker or something? He actually got uh, stuck in the holodeck, and because Riker wasn't picked up to find him and leave him out. He was whistling the whole time? <laughs> yep. He was just busy whistling Data. He is, you know, it's really hard for Data to get to b- get bored on a ship like this. <laughs> I actually really, really like that moment. First, I, you know, Data plays obviously probably one of the more significant. Data plays a way bigger part than Riker does in this episode. Like, he's super. Like, he's the one. Obviously, you know, we know, we both know, we all know that. Like, he's Data. You're clever in any time, and and he's a super important part of that 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 aspect. But I do love in that, and when they go back in time, when like there's a special moment that Picard because we never see Picard's first interaction with Data, and like this is kind of maybe their way of retconning that. Like, oh, this is what happens. This is when he sees him. Like, oh, of course it's different than what we're used to, but we this is a substitute because we never actually got to see the original version of that. One thing I like about this episode that, they, and I don't know how they did it, but they did it of where they have like these fan moments. But, like, when then you remember, like, you've been watching this, like, to pretend it's, like, live run. You know, you've been watching the whole season seven. And they do, like, these fan moments of, like, oh, my gosh, you know, Picard sees Data. And you see that expression in his face, like, oh, gosh, it's Data. This is going to be cool. Like, yeah, we see Data every day. Why is this so cool? But it is. <laughs> and then, like, and then like when in the future where, like, Beverly says, oh, you, you want to do, you know, engage once more time. You know, for all time's sake, and he's like single tear. Yeah, oh yeah, he's gonna say engage. Like, yeah, we've seen him do it for like it's not a big deal, but but it's still cool to to. I don't know how they make us feel like it's a fan moment, but it is. That's a great point, Philip. It's like just last week, Picard said engage like twice, and yet it wasn't nearly as powerful as him. You know, sitting down in the not since Wesley graced the bridge have we had such a dramatic arm sweep towards the center chair as we too felt like we were sitting with our beloved captain. But I think, although uh, one of the things that Data really points out in the future timeline is that when you have tenure, I mean, that he has to have tenure because no way would they let him have so many cats in that room without tenure. Uh, it's just, there's no way. I think when they do the Blu-ray, they're going to CGI in more cats. <laughs> more cats. The thing we have to, we yeah, the thing that we have to remember is that if Data is not killed during the Nemesis timeline, wait, he hold beca- on, what, what? What? Oh, sorry. Um, wait, what? Yahoo! Oh, spoilers. <laughs> um, he becomes a crazy cat lady <laughs> <laughs> with gray like, in his hair, like a like literally the craziest cat lady that you'll ever. Know. And I'm wondering because I was watching the episode and I'm like. Like this maid seems like she has everything together, and then all of a sudden they they say you know computer end the hologram with the with the uh, or resume hologram with the yeah. fireplace. I'm like, are those holographic cats data? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, although I also like how you know in in the future though data. I mean data's data, which is so awesome because he he's like 
well, this is highly unlikely, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I'm data and I'm awesome like that. And, I, and <laughs> let's figure out how we can prove if you're maybe right. I'm not going to look at you sideways. I'm going to look at Jordy sideways and kind of like nod like, mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> but, but he also has a lot more emotion in the future. Like he smiles a lot more. Yeah, I, I do love that part where, um, you know, Picard's like, oh, I, I, y'all think I'm crazy. And Jordy's like, no one's saying that. It is like, yeah, no, I, I totally thought that. But um... <laughs> for 0. 0.03 microseconds yeah. for an Android, I thought it for an eternity. No, I, I, I yeah. oh, my goodness. This we should talk about this because um, this is the ultimate data. Like, this is where Data wanted to get to. This is where the viewer wanted to see Data. Like, he, you can tell he's still an android. Um, but he, like, the moment that Data has with um, Geordi and um, Captain Beverly Picard, which is really awkward to say. Uh, it's hyphenated. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> when they're, like, they're talking about, oh, do you think he's crazy? Do you think, you know, and, you know, I don't know. This is like the ultimate data. This is where we all wanted data to be. Like he's not crazy like he is in generations, you know, making tricorder sounds with his hands. He's actually like a, a, a still a logical, reasonable android, but he can he can emote. He can talk in contractions, he can you know what I mean? Like he can relate to his fellow crew members and I, I just uh, he's so compelling. I I wish that we got to see the t- 20 years in between. So we could see how he got to that point. I love it. It's it's amazing. Well, and I mean, as, as you were talking about, Daniel, how there's a lot of those little fan service moments. And although I have to feel that Picard was really the fan. Picard going through all this, he's us because... You know, when they're like, okay, well, what do you want to do? I want to go see Data. Okay, fine. We'll go see Data. Uh, well, we need to get, uh, we need to talk to some Klingons. What about Worf? Yes, Worf. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like every fan is screaming at the top of their lungs going, yeah, bring Worf back, all the crew together. I mean, it's basically like what we get in the movies, like how Worf keeps showing up in all the random times. It's, although by then it's just like, oh, yeah, hey, Worf, yeah. I'm glad you uh, were stopping by for that symposium or whatever that you brought that you. That cup of sugar that you needed. Yeah. I had to go to the so, bathroom and I showed up on the bridge. But isn't that so true? Just it's his reaction, especially to Worf. It's just, That's funny. It's, it's such fan service. I, just, I have to say, I love the moment where <laughs> I love the conversation Picard has with Worf, where Worf is like, you know exactly what to do to manipulate me. And Picard's like, that's exactly why I do it. <laughs> it's like, it always works, Worf. <laughs> so he, just, he just needs a cup of Earl Grey and a pinky up in that scene. He just takes a sip. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and and I don't know why this viewing, um, but, but the part about future Picard and the aromatic syndrome and 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 all that which also to me it's it's it is going to sound weird picard played another or sir patrick played picard completely different and not just because of the that he was having mental issues like his like accent you no know, his really accent acting. really 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 comes out as old man picard I mean, it's almost getting, like, cockney to an extent. <laughs> the old man's losing it, he is. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> he really. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, but also, like, upon this viewing, and, and, and not to be, like, serious or whatever, but I'm like, you almost sympathize with all the characters who think Picard's crazy. You're like, if I didn't know, yeah, the guy's probably nuts. You know, I mean, like, because he really plays that part, and, and maybe it just, just got me in this viewing, not that I've really really know someone like this but maybe because i'm older than the first time you know it's been like 20 years when i first saw this episode you know to, to appreciate that someone older going through a mental disease and and like i said this whole future that we see that characters may not be where we want them to be you know Worf is is a governor but he's not klingon high council and beverly and him got married but the divorce you know and then picard has this the, the great picard the picard is a degenerating um before our eyes and you know and to see that he's, you know, having trouble talking and thinking and he's just like, you know, like your your grandparent in the home. It's kind of like, oh, scary, but it, but it's so real. I mean, even though it's it's funny in a way it's not and it's very dramatic, but I just love how they play all that together. I, I, I feel sorry for future Jordy because like he's always, like, well, what do you want to do? 
I want to go see Data. Fine, fine. We'll go see Data. And he, he's like, gosh, I had to show up and just <laughs> to see my friend. And now we're going on an adventure. Classic Picard. But, um, well, and yeah, no, it, it's the, I definitely like the interaction with Jordy. Uh, it, yeah, and and although. I'd say LeVar Burton has aged way more gracefully than future Jordy has been made out to look 20 years later. Like, we're, are we at, at, are we past or are we, we're at that time? No, that, we're past it. We're, oh, okay. we're way past it, actually. Way they past said 25 it. years. 25 years since, no, we yeah, just, they said 25 years. And we were, we're like 25 years past the start of t- TNG. So we're like way, no, way past where they are. No, but I'm saying since the end of All Good Things, has it been 25 years? I mean, could the, could the ever, could every it probably actor is right around now. now play yeah. the scene straight? Well, actually, we, we are, we should be 21 years because it ended in 93. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so 21 years. So almost oh, uh- there. So for the for the season seven uh, Blu-rays, they should literally yes. reshoot these episodes. The episode. Wait, when, didn't didn't I talk about that long? Yeah, I remember you did. Actually, I think you did. Like episode three or something. Yeah. Perfect, but yeah. Okay, that's right. It was future imperfect, but yeah, this would be uh, this would be even better. They did not know that Admiral Riker would have gotten fat. <laughs> Uh, that no, actually, that's even better than Future Imperfect. I now I want to see that. I want them to reshoot all the sh- sequences, and it's even cut. Like all you have to do is just insert all those specific shots of old Picard. Uh, you, no, you know what though one one thing about that, Philip. I was as I was watching the episode, I was thinking, you know, when I f- was first watching it, I'm like, um, wait a minute, why is Picard acting like such a crazy old man? you know, during the future sequences. And at first I thought it was a weakness of the episode, but the more I watched it, the more I thought about it is actually, I feel like Picard himself, the essence of Picard is actually inhabiting these different characters and, and which is actually kind of showing us a progression of the Picard character, like in, in the encounter, the earliest timeline, he's still, he's got to convince his crew that he's worth following. Like, you know, he, he has to show them that you, you know, I'm saying crazy stuff, but, you know, it might be worth it to die for, which they do, really. And uh, obviously in the established Picard that we know in the current timeline, we see that he's there. He's achieved that. He is – this is like prime Picard and he and everybody follows him to, unquestionably. They don't, they don't ever – they're never like, oh, what's going on? And then in future Picard timeline – he acts like a crazy old man because he's a crazy old man. And, <laughs> and I don't know if he can prevent that from happening. Cause he like, he's, he clearly makes some bad judgment calls, like running to 10 forward. And first of all, not knowing where 10 forward is. Um, he's and the ensign's like, um, try deck 10 and then go forward. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it, it's, it, that's I, branding first, right there. If you need to know where 10 forward is. Well, you boy, didn't, you they, didn't see that guy didn't lock that up. You didn't see the deleted scene where that ensign showed old Picard how to use the computer system, <laughs> and then when Picard worked in the turbo lift, the ensign checked him out. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. gosh, yeah. oh yeah. As Picard walks away, his his robe slightly separates oh, in the middle. Oh, we're going too far. <laughs> okay, okay, guys. All right, all right, all right. At least she lived a short life after that. At the Enterprise blowing up, putting her out of her misery. That was a guy. <laughs> okay all right so okay let's let, the, one of the few the one of the last things i want to talk about is and we've been talking a little bit about it is the, is the it's kind of the breadth of 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 where this episode takes place right like we, you know we have the encounter we have three separate times i have timelines we have the encounter timeline we have the current timeline and we have the future timeline and as we know both the encounter timeline and the future timeline are slightly different than what we're used to and um, because we actually get a future timeline that's very different and we get a, a past timeline that's also very different because Chief O'Brien could never have been the uh, chief engineer uh, during the first episode. Uh, but which actually reminds me, I, I do have to say when um, Picard's like, I know you can do it. And uh, O'Brien's like, this sounds like a job for the chief engineer. All I was thinking was, I wish Picard had said, we don't have a chief engineer. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, you, should, you left Space Dock without a chief engineer? <laughs> <laughs> he gets installed on Tuesday. And the card's trying to remember which one it was. Oh, yes, you mean Lopez. Or, um, uh, Argyle. Or, uh, <laughs> we so much which back one was it? <laughs> and by Tuesday, we mean season two. But to my knowledge, this this uh, idea, this this like like moving through time, showing you, you know, I don't know. Can any show? Can any other show in the universe ever have, that has ever existed have a lead? <laughs> You're setting the bar pretty dang high. Dang. Hang on, but I you'll mean, see what I'm. There's you'll a see show on Titan that's pretty good on, <laughs> in Saturn's orbit, but uh, yeah, but wrong. but can 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 any show that doesn't have Patrick Stewart as a lead? convincingly play a Patrick Stewart from the current times as the same Patrick Stewart that you would see seven years ago or 25 years in the future. Like we all, we've all seen the pictures of this isn't, this is uh, all good things Picard from 25 years in the future. And this is literally Patrick Stewart from 25 years in the future. And Patrick Stewart looks better than he does in all good things as himself. So, like, this is pretty amazing, this time travel element. Do you guys like that or what? I feel like there's a painting somewhere that's covered up in Sir Patrick's house. Never mind. <laughs> Literary reference. Well, I, I really enjoy the time travel aspect. I think it's really fun, especially towards the very end when they're in they're about to enter into the anomaly. And it intercuts so quick that you almost you're looking for cues in each shot. And it's Q's? like, okay, which one is this? Yeah, yes, you're looking for Q in each shot. It's like, okay, which uniform are they in? Okay, which one, you know, is is Data got the hair in this one? Okay, now we know what's going on because it's so well cut. I mean, I, I never was really lost, though. I could always tell, okay, this is what's going here. This is what's going there. And, uh, yeah, what I really the like about this whole episode is how the current timeline in the middle – the way they work it is it makes it feel like this is the middle of the story of the Enterprise and this crew. I mean, for us, it's the end watching. It's like it's over and it's sad and, and they're about to be gone. But but because of the time travel and because of how they ended the episode, it's like, no, this is the middle of these characters' lives. They're going to continue on with more adventures and more story. And it, it it's almost as if they were jumping around between the beginning of season one, the end of season seven and like somewhere in season like four or five, you know, it, it just, it, they did a really good job though of, of moving that kind of feeling across, which I think is one of the strongest points of the episode. Actually, I'll say that that's actually really brilliant. I've never considered that the timeline that the seventh the end of the seventh season of TNG, like, you're absolutely right now that I'm thinking about it. That makes total sense. Like, that's probably exactly what they were going for. Hey, this is the center. This is, like, the middle of their timeline. Like, I've always considered it, um, when I watch the episode, I always think that, oh, this is definitely their prime. That's that's how I see it. But yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, you know, we see the beginning of them, and then we see the end of them. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, for some reason, I never connected those dots and... You're 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 absolutely a hundred percent right, and I, I, uh, I absolutely I'm 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 ex I'm excited that you said that because, um, the way they end the episode totally totally corroborates with that idea. Like it's just like, oh no, it's not a big deal. We're just gonna you know we're gonna keep going on, and and we're obviously not gonna keep going on because they 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 mentioned this specifically. Uh, ten times during the episode. Oh, the future could be different than what we see here. <laughs> just in case, loophole, loophole, loophole. Um, they just didn't want to get cannon locked. They knew better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the funny thing is, too, I specifically wrote this down, is that we have this literal word-for-word uh, conversation in the con- in the observation lounge. Um, at least in five other episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, where Picard says. Oh, uh, this is what we're, is going to happen. This is what we're supposed to do. And Riker says, "What if we try not doing anything? Would that work?" And then Picard <laughs> says, "No, we must proceed as normal because that's what we must do." And uh, you know, they have that same conversation. But no, you're absolutely right, Darren. That was a, a great point. 
Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of Shades of Babylon Five for for fans that Picard apparently is the one because he's the one who was, the one who is, and the one who will be <laughs> apparently. Um, but of course, Daniel, you're forgetting about the fourth timeline in this episode. That would be the beginning of life on <laughs> Earth. Oh, gosh, <laughs> which look, like, this was in what ninety three, ninety four. I mean, yeah. the fact that they showed this, and then, like, it's funny, because I'm like, okay, proteins, got it, you know, amino acids. And, like, as a, you know, however, 13-year-old, that worked for science class for the next, like, 15 years, because apparently, like, no one had ever paid attention. Like, like I was watching Cosmos um, the other week, and they did the same thing about you know, the, the beginnings of, of life on Earth. And I'm like, I knew this. the footage. Go see all the things. Done. Done. Just like uh, Star Trek did it before it actually happened, like cell phones, iPads, beginning of the universe. <laughs> Though I, I feel like it is a Jean-Luc Picard callback because where did life on Earth begin? France. France. Yeah, yeah. And I and I must say, this is a total on a totally personal note. If Captain Picard showed up in Cosmos, I my my head would explode. <laughs> I would die, and it would it would no. We're now going Braga. to take the. What's the name of that ship that that uh Neil the Starship Imagination? We're going to take the Starship Imagination to the 24th century now and see our future. <laughs> that everyone's face just melts off. <laughs> but I, I think they could make it happen. But no, I yeah, it's what what do you think, Daniel? About just the time travel aspect as a whole. I, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I really do. I think that uh, you know. It was a really smart way for them to say, you know, hey, these are our characters. Here's the thing. Like, they're like, they're like, here are our characters before you knew them, slightly before you knew them. And some things will fill in some things. Here are our characters as you know them now. And uh, very strong characterization at that point. And here are really interesting things that might happen in the future. And like to, to a longtime viewer of the series, it's, how do you get any better than that? You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you get it's the like whole... a clip show, but way better than any clip show could actually <laughs> ever be. Cause they tried that once and it didn't really. Work. Yeah. It was awful. Awesome. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say enough things, positive things about this episode. I think when they were writing it, their first thought was, you know what, you know what episode wasn't long enough encounter at far point <laughs> i think i think we need to flesh out that story just a wee bit more and we only got one episode left to do it that's two hours so basically is encounter at far point a four-hour episode is there a fan basic... cut that includes for encounter that includes the scenes from here oh like i would watch the... that i would i would be really excited to actually watch that because we would definitely see such a stark contrast you know what I mean? You, you would you would just know, and uh, I think that would really actually be brilliant. One thing seen also, that trouble and triples supercut. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah, exactly. One thing also I wanted to mention during the Q portion of the talk that I didn't mention before: um, Q is acutely aware of Livingston. Uh, so I thought it was kind of important for the Earl Grey crew to mention this. You have because, a little wink, uh, wink. <laughs> oh yeah, he knows about your fish too. I think that with the character development piece, the they planted a seed in the present timeline of uh, Riker's not too happy about Worf dating Troy, and then oh, yeah, that, that conflict booms in the future. <laughs> of and, that's know, the seed of a bad rule right there. Yeah, but I mean that whole thing about character conflict. I mean, just like a eh, little tweak you see Riker kind of like. Uh, there on the bridge and then like 25 years later he's like not talking to Worf and <laughs> and all that stuff and, and killing Troy man who saw that one coming man spoiler alert oh for a second I thought you meant Riker killed Troy and I'm like <laughs> wait a minute I missed that scene well <laughs> when did they explain they never that? explained how she died I'm going to I'll leave it to the fans to there, there are actually two points that I want to say to that, Philip. Um, the first is every time Worf and Troy be like are on screen or have have a thing or whatever, like I get the heebie-jeebies. It really creeps me out. And the second thing is in a universe where Troy is dead, the Enterprise D lives on. Is all <laughs> I want to say. It's the only thing that matters. 
We don't have time to talk about time. We don't have the time. I mean, I love the Enterprise. You don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm just saying. So you, it's you conclusive can take proof. You know? Save the ship. Well, we, well, and we have to mention, Daniel, though, I mean, you haven't commented on the future Enterprise E. Oh, I mean, the Nacelle. Yeah. You just, you can't have an uneven amount of nacelles. Thank it makes you. no sense. Thank you. It's so stupid. Oh, I, I've got an idea. Let's put this giant pylon directly behind the main shuttle bay. <laughs> so as soon as you get out of the shuttle bay, you're going to crash into the nacelle. No, come on now. This is stupid. Well, they never did use that shuttle bay. So <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is We're using shuttle bay three a whole lot now after Admiral Riker took command. Okay. Well, all right, guys. Well, there's one final thing that I wanted to talk about before we end the episode. And that is overall thoughts. Uh, and I mean, I know we've kind of gotten the gist of it here, but Darren, like, you know, any any criticisms, any uh, complaints, any any positive compliments? What do you like overall? Like, we're not going to give it a rating or anything like that. But but uh, you know, where do you what do you think? Somebody mentions to you all good things. What do you say about it? More scants. No, dear lord, no more scants. <laughs> No, I I just really love this episode. I I actually just feel bad for how little I rewatch it because it it's at the usually you know it's at the very end and it you know it's it's a longer episode. It's like an hour and a half without commercials. So you know, having rewatched it for this episode, I really want to put it into my you know rewatch for fun roster a lot more often because you know often when I'm trying to pick something, I'll watch you know. Maybe I don't know uh, the gambit or something else, masks. and this no gosh, don't say no, masks. not mass, but uh, <laughs> but as you know, I definitely want to put this in more often, and I can't wait to see it in HD when season seven uh, of Next Gen finally comes out, and uh, yeah, and I and to that point, I really hope you know on a sidebar that they will continue the HD restorations for uh, for. DS9 and Voyager because I think every Trek deserves the HD treatment as we've been gracious enough to receive uh, in TNG. What about you, Philip? You know, I think one thing that surprises me about um, this episode um, is is because you think like, okay, you know, in some ways it's this great thing, but that, that it's a one-off. You know, it's it is what it is. But uh, two things: the one's going to be silly but true, and the other one's going to be true. Um, I did notice that Q does wear lipstick in this episode, so that does solve for oh, me yes. why he's wearing it in Voyager. Um, but, <laughs> but, but for the second thing, um, and I, doing Star Trek Online now, I'm actually, my characters now wear the future uniform in this episode. And when I was doing research for how that uniform looks, I'm like, okay, they just showed it in all good things, and that was it. That actually comes up in all the Star Trek series. They, they use it probably like three more times. Like, that is canon future Starfleet uniform. That wasn't just like all good things and we'll never use it again. Like every other series uses that like Voyager, Admiral Janeway and, and deep space nine when they have these kind of weird, you know, future time timelines that never happen, like Bashir and Dax, old Dax and old Bashir wearing. And so like, I thought that was kind of funny that this is canon even in this future that apparently never happened, you know, whatever. But I mean, you know, I, we've, we've said it, you know, all good things is all great things. So, that's all that can be said. One one last point I wanted to make is just how impressive it is how much they get right in all of the past sequences. Because remember, this is 93. This is, I mean, there really wasn't an internet in 93 or a memory alpha or a Wikipedia. So I don't know what intern had to sit and watch Encounter Farpoint like a dozen times to just nail all the little details. But uh, it they did a really good job with that. Well, like the old observation lounge, like where they find like I thought they were just thrown away all the little ships um, that they still had the little like because I think the, to me the sharpest difference is in the later seasons they don't have the aircraft carrier Enterprise and and the early seasons they do in the observation lounge and so but yeah it's it's definitely definitely good stuff. You know I I just I love this episode. I just there is no greater finale to me in all of television frankly um the universe even i like your I, the, scale daniel i really like it the multi-universe <laughs> in the universe i can't explain it i don't know why i don't know it's just like i think it just it it's 
you know what it is, guys? You know what it is? I'm going to tell you right now why I love this episode so much. The last one minute of this episode is what makes this episode perfect for me. Where they and this is the f- literally ride into the sunset. Yes, straight on till morning. Second start of the left. Um, you know, we we it's the it's the and I did we didn't talk about this before, but I want to bring it up now. It's it's the Picard entering the the card room. Well, at first. Troy enters, right? She's the first one that enters. My question is, where's Barkley? Because I know, uh, you know, he would want to play too. Where's no. Ben? Oh, Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he uh, walks but- in after Picard and totally ruins the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I just cleaned out some junior officers and wait, why is everyone crying? I, I should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> Who are you? He takes a half step in, just makes eye contact, and just backs out of the door. But uh, what a beautiful moment, you know, what, what a like, like, you know, it, it perfectly encapsulates Picard as a character, doesn't it? Like, you know, Kirk would have had no problem playing cards with, with, with his, and Spock wouldn't have played cards. But, he was more of a chess man. But. Yeah, he was more of a chess guy. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, he would have had no problem doing that. Um, Cisco probably wouldn't have. Janeway definitely wouldn't have. Even Archer wouldn't have. But it's like. Picard is such a TNG character. You know what I mean? It, it's it's it just it kind of like, and it does show growth even for Picard's character for him to be like, you know what? I should have done this a long time ago, and uh, I think it's beautiful. I actually think it's one of the strongest moments Star in the seven hundred and whatever episodes in the thirteen, twelve, thirteen movies of Star Trek. I just that moment to me every single time I watch it, it hits me. It really. You know, whatever that means, it really emotionally impacts me, and I think it's really important. Agreed. Here. Come in. Am I too late? Of course not. Pull up a chair. Mm-hmm. What's the game? Five card draw, deuces wild. Come in. Is there a problem, sir? No. I, uh, I just thought that I might, um, I might join you this evening. Uh, if there's room. Of course. Have a seat. Riker says that like a douche. Would you care to deal, sir? Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Data. Actually, I, uh, I used to be quite a card player in my youth, you know. I should have done this a long time ago. You are always welcome. So, five-card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit. I think. Oh gosh! Uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Deep Space Nine. Yes. <laughs> don't you dare, getting, Philip! Don't you dare! I think I'm getting a little emotional just just from listening to it. It's, um, you know, it, the ending of it is so perfect in the fact that, um, as all good Star Trek does, it's trying to teach us teach us a lesson, like the ultimate lesson of all good things is you know that well he does it q doesn't tapestry as well but also in all good things he's i think part of what he's trying to teach picard is like don't take for granted what you have right now at least you know to a certain degree and and uh picard certainly learns that that lesson in the episode and uh i'm te- i'm tearing up talk amongst yourselves no it's a it's a it's a great ending it hits the tone of what it needed to hit 
perfectly. Well, I was going to point out the reason they're nervous is that the last time Picard came into the poker room, he was a doppelganger alien copy. So that's probably why. <laughs> to be fair, he also sang like Irish jig songs on t- intent forwards. A so. British tongue is a soul. <laughs> as free as a mountain bird. Haven't you met Gilbert and Sullivan, Mr. Worf? Well, you know what, guys? We've been talking about all good things. And, and honestly, if it was up to me, I would have changed it to all great things. And here are some other great things that you might have been missing elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. A lot time commentary. He's got I love his room with yeah. the weird lights. And... <laughs> well, he, he shops at Spencer's. Yeah, whatever yeah. that is. <laughs> oh, poor Colin. How oh, that joke will kill in America. Earl Grey. Jordy LaForge. They're, you know, Sherlock and Watson flying in the face of copyright laws that they didn't realize <laughs> at the time. <laughs> the Ready Room. Emergence. The entire scene that Picard and Beverly have is about one-upping each other with pointless trivia about the yeah. Orient Express that they each have. Well, did you know? Well, Beverly, I knew that, but did you know this? And it's like, I'm, what is the point of the scene? I don't... The Orb. Trail on trial. There are motifs that carry through, like right. her and, hands behind her back. Right, exactly. Example. And that's where I think you get the variation on a theme. You know, it's not a new song. It's not even a new verse. It's a reordering of notes to create something different and yet similar. To the journey! Costumes on Voyager. Take that, Enterprise D. That's right. You think your mind was blown in 87. Just wait until you see it in 97. (laughs) Warp 5. TOS Impressions of Seasons 1 and 2. Once I actually started watching it, I began to understand that it was about our future leading into TOS. It's more of a sequel for us than it is a prequel for TOS. Commentary, Trek Stars. The X-Files, Small Potatoes. When I get to this episode, I get excited. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one of the ones that I continually find more things to like about it. Melodic Treks. The music of a mock time. Yeah, we can do a Muppets podcast, too. I mean, at this point, we might as well, right? Right. I mean, we're doing every other show. <laughs> Literary Treks. The Return of the Serpent. So they all shoot the dinosaur, and then they look back, and they the Klingon... to shoot the dinosaur. And then the Klingon's like, no, I can't do it. I don't want to shoot him. I can't. If I do it, then I'll turn into one of those Klingons that I don't like. You mean one of the Klingons that's helpful? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World. Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day free trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and the latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Trek FM, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations anyways. If you go to Trek FM slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Toba Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like, in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring you Earl Grey and all of our other great shows every single week. All right, guys. If if, if anybody wanted to find you guys on the internet or around hanging out, maybe, maybe you're a, a future version of yourself. Where would they go, Darren? They can find me on Twitter 
under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. If they also like talking about other bits of science fiction, I have another podcast called The Dr. Sci-Fi Show, which is on my website, which is drsci-fi.com. Great, Philip. And where could they find you? They can find me on Flugum, which is a social network that hasn't been invented yet. But it's going to be really big in 25 years. But until then, you can find me on Twitter at handle NC public servant. All right. And they can find me also on Twitter, which is the best way at uh, one up Dan. That is the number one, not the word. All right, guys, I'm heading towards the Devron system to find my next cup of Earl Grey. So I guess I'll see you next week. Engage. Make it so. Live long and prosper.